It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider on final reading whether to approve the city's budget for fiscal year 24. The budget takes months to prepare. The Assembly began meeting in January to review and agree on different parts of the budget, like school funding and enterprise funds. And the city's bottom line has grown. Sales tax revenue increased last year, and more growth is projected as the tourism industry rebounds. But costs have increased, too. According to a memo from Finance Director Melissa Haley, next year's budget will include an estimated 14 percent increase in spending. Haley attributes this increase mostly to inflation, increased tourism, and improving municipal operations. The Assembly also budgeted more money for infrastructure improvements and repairs after cutting back during the pandemic. Even with increased spending, the general fund budget will end up with a surplus of just over $17,000. The Enterprise Fund budgets are also being considered tonight on final reading. Electric, water, wastewater, solid waste, and moorage will see rate increases this year, again to keep up with inflation and the increased costs of capital projects. The city is also taking on some new debt, including a $7 million loan to fund a new disinfection system for the wastewater treatment plant to meet new federal requirements. In other business, the Assembly will also consider updating the city code to require permits for all entertainers in public spaces, not just musicians. It will consider authorizing leases for the Marine Service Center to two seafood companies, Seafood Producers Cooperative and North Pacific Seafoods. And it will consider the yearly goals for the Health Needs and Human Services Commission, which gathers data and makes policy recommendations to improve the overall health of Sitka. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight. Raven News will cover the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. Petersburg's Housing Task Force plans to survey residents to better understand housing needs in the borough. Dave Kensinger chairs the task force and is also a member of the Petersburg Borough Assembly. He says the two groups are trying to find a place to start with the borough's housing needs. And this is one of the main sources of data that they're going to have is what we tell them. And what they're trying to find out is a couple of things. They want to know what we need now, what we're going to need in the future, and then what we're going to need in the near future. The Housing Task Force hired Agnew Beck, an Anchorage-based consulting firm, to put together the survey. It's 36 questions long, takes about eight minutes to complete, and covers the survey taker's demographic information, like race and household income, as well as their overall satisfaction with their current living situation, and a list of possible solutions for them to consider. One of the 36 questions asks participants to rank how stressed they feel about the housing shortage. Jeff Mucci is another assembly member on the housing task force. The shortage has him feeling very stressed out. Mucci says the local housing shortage is so bad, even the local government feels the sting. He says Petersburg's borough desperately needs workers, but they can't find a place to put them when they show up in town. I mean, we hired a police officer, I think, last summer, and he had to live up at the fire hall until they found a place, and nothing ever showed up, and he had to leave. And um, the borough's got several openings that the power and light um, we're trying to fill. We're still looking for a police officer as well. And Kensinger says they need as many people to take the survey as possible so they can work towards a solution with more accurate data. 
the thing that this will do is a consultant will take all the results from these questions. And my hope is that they'll be able to give us some concrete suggestions and answers. Say, this looks like this is a need that you're going to have going forward in the future, 20 years from now. The survey results are due by September. At that point, the assembly will decide if and how they'll act on the data. Kensinger says the results could help local nonprofits and tribal government entities leverage grants because the survey would document the severity of the need for housing in the area. Residents at the Glory Hall, Juno's shelter, are working hard to plant vegetables in their community garden. Staff say the garden brings healing as well as new growth to long-term residents. KTOO's Yvonne Crumry has more. At Juno's shelter, Liz Landis carts wheelbarrows of dirt to the 20 raised garden beds she helped build last summer. A few of the residents shovel the soil into the beds while others sit enjoying the sunshine. Landis calls herself a freelance farmer. She helps build community gardens throughout Southeast Alaska. Last year, she came to Juneau to help build a garden at the Glory Hall's Teal Street Shelter. I shamelessly cried when I saw photos of the garden in full splendor last summer. It was amazing. I couldn't believe that in the first year it could be as successful as it was. Landis said the garden thrived under the care of Glory Hall residents. And it wasn't just the food she planted that she saw bloom. One of the residents, William Hunt, took the lead on the garden. He wrote about it in an essay for the Glory Hall's online bulletin last year. He said, This garden literally saved my life. It gave me something to believe in again, a purpose and a calling. Landis says she wants everyone to take the power of growing food into their own hands. And Hunt's story stuck with her. It changed his physical health. It changed his mental outlook. I, in the two weeks I was here, and then I heard it, it continued on throughout the summer. Luke Roman, the Glory Hall's deputy director, said he watched Hunt get stronger and healthier while cutting way back on his drinking. And when one of Hunt's doctors saw him later that summer, he didn't recognize him. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anyone had ever really seen anything like that. It was like a Bible story or something yeah, that, almost. Yeah, that moved me. After last summer, Hunt moved away, but Landis said one resident has already made plans for this year's garden. Yeah, what's going where? I don't know. I know that this bed, Beverly requested tomatoes and peppers. Beverly. She she put some heart into it yesterday, and that's that's really all that's planned at this point. Glory Hall resident Beverly Pacheco says she's been gardening for years, and she's grateful that she can do it here. It speaks to my heart and soul. As a vegetarian, Pacheco is excited about all the food she can help grow. The Glory Hall will use it to make salads and other fresh foods. Potatoes, chives, nasturtiums, they're tasty. They taste like radishes, actually, kind of a little bit, but you know, they're pretty too. For now, Pacheco is spreading topsoil and compost, anticipating the vegetables to come. In Juneau, I'm Yvonne Cremery. Two Indigenous stories came to life on stage at Ketchikan Charter School. Students turned Killer Whale Eyes and How Devil's Club Came to Be into short plays featuring handmade props and form line the students learned from a visiting artist. KRBD's Regan Miller has more. Paddling a cardboard canoe, the student actors are exploring the ocean. They're looking for their classmate, the one who turned into a killer whale. 
pods of hand-painted cardboard orcas bob and weave in an ocean of royal blue cloth shaken by the students. In another play, a student fights a monster who is stealing their tribe's shaman. The heroine visits the Thunderbird people and defeats the giant. I've taken them all hostage and I'm prepared to feed them. <laughs> How dare you! The stories are part of Sea Alaska Heritage Institute's Baby Raven Reads program. Hallie Kenoyer is an art teacher at Charter School. Her class designed the props, and drama students wrote the scripts. She applauds the students' work. Look at, I mean, look at their form line. Student Amelia Leffler helped make a lot of the props. Leffler says her favorite of the two plays is how Devil's Club came to be. That story follows Raven's niece as she battles a giant who had been taking the village shaman. She discovers Devil's Club and its medicinal properties along the way. And it's sort of fun to see how different cultures are. Riley Presnell also helped bring the scenes to life. I think I really like painting. I really like uh, painting the, the canoe. I really like painting the blanket. Kai Clevenger, a Clinket student, is the daughter of Kevin Clevenger, the school's artist-in-residence. She helped create the form line that appears on the props. The seventh grader says it's important to her to see her culture taught and celebrated in school. I like how my culture is communicating with other like stuff now and like how my culture is like out there now. Student Ryan Bowling also worked backstage. He says the fact that they're traditional stories is what makes it special. I feel like the like native stories need to get out there more than they are. Bringing the stories to the stage was a community effort, Kanoyer says, with help from Ketchikan's tribe staff. Fourth and fifth graders were able to pitch in too. Kanoyer says the school's artists-in-residence had taught the younger kids about formline design, which came in handy. And when we ran out of time to work on our props, fifth grade and fourth grade did our designs on the paddles, they worked on the button blankets, they worked on the designs for all of the hats, and it was all on account of working with Kevin Clevenger that they knew how to do this. They were really excited to participate. That was one of the most satisfying parts of the production process, Kanoyer says. It was really cool to see that just that ripple effect of a really great program came into play in our little theater project. The students performed their plays for classmates and community members, including the staff of Ketchikan's local theater. They received a rowdy chorus of applause. In Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a quick look at the weather for Sitka for today, Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. Today, partly sunny with a high near 51. North winds 5 to 10 miles per hour, but coming southwest in the morning. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 45. West winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. You're tuned into your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW, Sitka. Good morning.